You're listening to Real Crime, the Movie Sleuth Podcast. I want to start off tonight by addressing the weather. Yeah. I never thought in my life, I never thought in my life, I would see warm, almost balmy weather, rainy weather. It's weird. In the midst of January, right? It's Michigan. Um, Well, it's Michigan, granted. Yeah, totally. But I can't remember a time where, I mean, I was driving here and I looked at the the thermometer in the car and uh, it was 50 degrees. Yeah, it's, like, it's fifty degrees. It's fifty out degrees right now. outside right now. That's pretty insane. And there's lightning and thunder too. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, earlier actually, that was. I was walking around the house earlier, and I noticed it was like one of them little like flickers in my in the corner of my eye. I'm like, what the hell was that? And then I heard. Then I heard the thunder come in. Yeah. I'm like, oh wow, far out. So there, there yeah. have been instances of thunder and lightning during snowstorms too. That are haven't there been? I think I, so. I don't, I, I don't remember one honestly, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just strange. Yeah, this this, yeah. this weather's... I'm not complaining. I mean, I'd rather deal with a little bit of rain in this nice warm. It's like and, the weather on LV426. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. shit. It's balmy. Oh, man. <laughs> I like Until they segue. set up those atmosphere processors to make the air breathable. Exactly. It takes exactly. decades. So what, 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 what are we, we going to be talking about colony. tonight? <laughs> Damn, dude. What are we going to be talking about tonight here? I don't know. Uh, but that, yeah, well, you know, you should have said that later. Well, don't we, we couldn't. <laughs> yeah. All right. Segway. It's a good lead Segway, schmegway, whatever, dude. So, yeah, this is uh, Real Crime 41. 41? 41. Yep. We celebrated our Over the Hill yeah, last week. And over the hill. Whoa. We're here. Now uh, we're old as fuck. And we're going to talk. for yourself, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about tonight. The, once we get past all this other really important, great stuff that we do for as part of real crime, we are going to be talking about uh, the Alien franchise. We'll call it the whole Alien franchise. Yes. Something we really wanted awesome. to tra- something we really wanted to tackle. I can't talk tonight. I'm just it's the, it's the fatigue. Yes, we're I'm a little be, fatigued. Yeah, too. we're both mm-hmm. fatigued. We're going to be mm-hmm. talking about that. But as always, every week. Um, I'm looking at the bloody baseball bat sitting next to him right now. Oh, boy. Mr. Chris was back out on the street here, shaking people down, beating on motherfuckers. I, I just can't believe it. The, this bat, it's its bent. It's yes. A bat. It's broken. Lucille's been through a lot. Lucille's yes. been through a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what do we got in the news this week, Chris? Well, first off, we uh, know there's been a huge media firestorm this week over this whole Merrill Street oh, thing. Oh, yeah. No kidding. And yeah. it's just cracking me up. It's yeah. just making me laugh. People need to just shut up. I mean, how long have actors and actresses and musicians and rock stars made political statements on yeah. award shows? Every yeah. year. Every, every, every year. year. Every yeah. year. So yes. what What makes it different? It's Meryl Streep. Like, if anybody should be able to make a political statement, it should be her. Yeah. Because she's, like, the biggest and baddest out there. So, everybody, shut your mouths. This is my political statement. Actors and actresses have the right to make statements when they want to. No, they do. Yeah. And, it's, and you have the right to listen or not listen. So, yeah, the, the whole outcry now, of course, is just your typical social media response to things nowadays. Yep. We can whine because we can whine. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to amount but, to anything. Yeah. It's just, no, it's just it's fodder. And what's But what's different now is that we have... We're gonna have a fucking president who has nothing better to do than tweet insults at Meryl Streep. Like, what the hell is gonna happen when you know it's, it's other world leaders saying shit about him? Like, is he gonna tweet like awful things about like maybe, Kim Jong Un? Maybe this yeah. is the future of politics, though. 
Yeah, that that'll be fun though. Yeah, Kim Jong Il, overrated, not a very nice man, or <laughs> whatever. I mean, Too short. I mean, I mean, if this is the future of politics, I'm not going to be surprised, frankly, because it's always been nothing but a pissing contest as it is, yeah. right? Uh, but now we'll, do, well, yeah, I guess we're going to be doing it on Twitter and Facebook and Vladimir move, Putin's we'll mad abs. I mean, is he overrated? I mean, is Trump going to go on Instagram now and start t- p- taking pictures inside the White House? Go, you know, I mean, is that what it's going to... Is that what... That's where we're headed. Yeah. I mean, that he's going to, like, start tweeting about how he compares to, like, movie presidents. It's like, oh, I'm, Bill Pullman in Independence Day. Fucking overrated, overrated president. Yeah, overrated. The weird thing is that before he <laughs> decided to become president, he actually <laughs> was really interested in the film business because he said he loved the glamour of the movies. Yeah, well... Well... Oh, my God. So, yeah, so... All points aside, yeah, it's yeah, Meryl. Yeah, say what you want. Power yeah. to you, Meryl. Totally, totally. Fine. We got your back. It don't matter if Bitch. you agree with her or not. It's just, it's you know, say what you want. You're allowed to. You have yeah. a platform. Go ahead. Why not? Freedom and also, of speech. And, yeah, and this idea that you know the arts shouldn't say socially significant things, I think, misses a huge part of what the arts are supposed to be. That's it's not just supposed to be vacuous escapism. A lot it's of times, be saying things. A lot of times, and, yeah. that's what the arts are. They do. They they are socially exactly. <laughs> they should be. <laughs> They should be socially engaged. That's what it's about. That's what that's what makes it interesting to me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you're art disconnected, can be politically charged too. We've all Absolutely. seen we've all seen art movies and whatnot that are disconnected like that, and you're like, what the fuck? Where are these people? What, what planet are this they? This whole on, right? what planet are we all on right now? Well, yeah, it, it, and I'm scared. I'm things are bizarre scared. between the yes. weather and all this crap. It, things yep. are very bizarre. What, what else we got? So moving on in bizarre news, Will Smith is being cast in the Dumbo live action film. <laughs> right, Wait, move, as as who? I think as Dumbo. Dumbo. <laughs> as live <laughs> action Dumbo. I don't know. All I read today was that Will Smith is going to sign on to star in is, a Dumbo live action movie. Is he going to be like made up like the elephant from Jupiter Ascending? That would be awesome if he Dude, was. Is yeah. Jaden going to play, play a pink elephant? Jaden yeah. <laughs> oh Smith is such a pretty little girl, though. Yeah, she's a dumb. You, let's move on. Is he going to take a knee? Is he going to take <laughs> Andrew's on fire tonight. Dude. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> X-Files renewal talks are happening, uh, but the show will not return this year. They're saying it's going to be at least put off until 2018 when we see more episodes. Good. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. I'll Give them a little bit of time to work on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get a better, maybe a well-polished season arc yeah. together. Yeah, maybe 12 or 14 episodes this time. Give yeah. them a little bit of space. <laughs> they left it in uh, kind of a cliffhanger, too, so they really need to come up with a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole the whole story part of X Files they need to finally wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Woody Harrelson has now officially signed on to the Han Solo spinoff as his mentor, which we discussed at short length last week. Also, okay, I'm 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 intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm you know. excited. Yeah, well, yeah. It can ding, be... ding, ding. You can't. <laughs> people in Radio Land can't see what I did, but you saw he what I did. He flipped his nipples. And I said, ding, ding, ding. He could stay at the edge of 17 if you haven't seen that yet. Well, I that? have not seen that. He's the best thing about it. What movie is it? The Edge of 17. I haven't seen it yet. It's in theaters now. Check it out. Okay. Yep. And last but not least in our news items for tonight, Anna Kendrick is going to be playing a female Santa Claus in a comedy film, which I love Anna Kendrick, but I mean... Female. A female Santa? I mean, I think we can count on the fingers of one hand the amount of Christmas comedies that are actually really good. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, that, that 
That's, fits on one hand. What I say. Yeah, you're Christmas right. Vacation, <laughs> Elf, uh, a Christmas Story. It sounds yeah. like a Hallmark Muppet Christmas movie. Is it, does Emmett and... Otter's Jug Band Christmas count as a Christmas movie? Yes, it does. It has Christmas in the title. Of course it does. Yeah. Well, but it's kind of like, I guess it is a movie. Yeah, it's not. That definitely, definitely counts. We talked and about... as we all know, Die Hard absolutely counts. Yeah, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> in your face! Gremlins counts too, technically. Of course! I said The Godfather because that happened during Christmas also, kind of. Wake and Fright. Even though it's in the middle of the Australian desert, that takes the place on Christmas. We talked about the rep. What are we talking about? We just I don't know. Okay, no, 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 no. Okay. You guys are really in the weeds, as Mr. Scott Lambert would say. <laughs> Releases this week. We've got Patriots Day coming out, which we have Good a one. review of. That's going to be out Thursday night. Monster Trucks. We've got a review of that one already, ready to go. The Bye Bye Man, which I can't really comment on. Until we release our review Thursday night, just listen to that noise that Andrew made. That's all you need to hear. And uh, Scorsese's latest film, the two-hour and 45-minute religious epic Silence, which me and Michelle saw last night, that goes wide release this week also. How'd you guys like it? I loved it. Sadly, we can't comment about it until we publish our review. All right. So, moving on into suggested viewings. I've got two. First one is Dig, which I'm not sure if any of you guys have seen this or not. Oh, I've seen Dig? It. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, Danny Warhol's and uh, yeah. Brian Jones. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. I've actually watched it a couple of times because it's freaking amazing. I think that's probably one of the best rock and roll documentaries ever made. It is. It is. Because it actually kind of shows the creative process and the mental anguish that these people put themselves through, but also that kind of duality and the duel actually between the Brian Jamestown massacre Jonestown. and the Dandy Warhol. What did I say? Brian, you said Jamestown. Jones, uh, Brian, oh, I'm thinking of Brian something. Jo- yeah. Brian Jonestown massacre and the Dandy, Dandy Warhols. Warhols. Yeah. It's really, really an interesting film. That hmm. film is, uh, yeah. Any everybody down here and anybody out. Who the heck was that? Upstairs. <laughs> wow we had an explosion in the studio or yeah. something like that uh that film yeah anybody listening to the show here or anybody down here in the studio yeah highly highly recommended to watch that i've, I've watched it a couple of times myself and there is that duality you're talking about yeah. between the it's about two bands right uh, and mm-hmm. one of the bands is completely dysfunctional and then the other band actually has their shit together i mean that's, i don't want to get too much but that's really what it comes down to and one of the most interesting things Comes from one of the members. I've had the, the the one guitar player, the Danny Warhols. What I really extrapolated from this from this movie, um, was he's like, you know, those guys over there. He's like, in our band, we all have a car. We play in our band. We we have we have a car. We have a house. We have a little bit of money in our pocket, and we play in a band. Yeah. He's like, those guys over there, they can't. They can play in their. They play in their band consistently, but they can never really have all those things. They can have a car, but they can't really. Have a house, so they live in a car. They have a house, but they don't know. They, yeah. they can never really ever be whole people, which that doesn't make you a whole person. Belongings, but just having like some balance in your life, and that's kind of what that whole thing's about, you know. And there's, it's a very interesting documentary. I can well, go days about and it, it how shows how the Brian Jonestown massacre. They are were so just wrapped up in the art, in the drugs, in the experience of the yeah, rock well, and roll they were lifestyle. Total 60s revival. That's what the whole exactly. thing was. Where the Dandy Warhols were being brought in by the corporatists of the record industry. Well, they 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 went for it. They, yeah, they got signed, and they with along with that 
that stuff does happen and that that's where you see that grind that kind of happens with all these artists in this film yeah, I, that's not that's not spoil anymore. No, go and but, watch the hell out of that. It's fantastic. You'll love it. So that mm. one is a suggested viewing, and then the other one, Scott, you'll probably find interest in this was Breaking a Monster, the story of unlocking the truth. Yeah, you know what? I've been, I've seen it. I I haven't seen it. I've seen it out there, and that's that. That's about that band, like that, that those young kids. Who it's got about signed. The, they were like twelve or thirteen years old. They got and they like a million a, dollar. No, con- they got signed a two million dollar yeah. contract with Sony. In there, they were twelve and thirteen years old, and yeah. they were a metal band, a yeah. metal trio. Yeah, holy shit! And Sony gave them like a two million dollar record deal. Which and, I'm how. What the fuck, man? But yeah, they set them up, and then they ended up losing the record deal. Yeah, they did over time. Yeah, they lost because it. they didn't want to fall into the trappings of the record industry at like thirteen years old. Yeah, and they're little shits in the movie. Yeah. They are little assholes. I should watch that. My that's huh. the problem right there. Is I know, just I'm old and jaded, and I'm also an old yeah. jaded metalhead. So like. Seeing children, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, back in my day, we actually, you know, that whole thing, right? Yeah. Get my lawn. Uh, I'm having a hard time sitting down to watch that because I know it's how I'm going to feel about it. And I don't want to feel that way, but I know I should, I really should sit down and watch They're that. little spoiled brats and like they're telling them like at meetings, like, hey guys, we have to work on image. And like, oh no, I'd rather play GTA. It's like, you just got handed $2 million. Uh, work now. Yeah. This isn't free, dude. You got to work now. Yeah. You got to get on the road and play. So uh, it was yeah. a good movie though. I'll I'll end up watching that myself and probably bitch incessantly yep. about it too. <laughs> Do you have a suggested viewing, Chris Jordan? Oh man, I haven't watched a ton of stuff lately. So yesterday, well, the last thing I watched yesterday night, I finally watched the Arrow Video Blu-ray of the stuff, which I had never seen before. That movie was fucking bonkers. Yeah, uh, it is. I'm not You're sure I'd call Chip it Charlie. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd call it a good movie per se, but. It was it was a fun movie. Can't get uh, enough for the stuff. But, yeah, but I mean, talking about like just thinking about the movies that you just mentioned, and like good movies about music. It's not a documentary, but have have we talked about twenty uh, four hour party people on the podcast or on the site in general ever? Say it again. Twenty four hour party people. Your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to do it all yeah. quiet. <laughs> I mean, Sorry like, about that, Chris. Like, Chris, have have you have you seen that? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's. I mean, not not a documentary, but a really, really good, pretty essential film on that. I gotta look something up here. My phones. Yeah. Are, I'm sorry, I I'm fucking the whole thing up here. I gotta look something up. And I turned my phones off because last week was a goddamn disaster here. That's all with right. My phones going off, so now I actually need them. The phones are off, and I don't want to boot the phones up because they'll start. Ooh, I'm a phone. I'm gonna turn on now. I'm well, music and shit. Put, put your phone on silent next time. You don't have to like power it down. Then something else happened. I, I don't. You know, look, I'm old. I don't know all this crap like you guys do. How to how to go air like last week was like we'll put it in airplane mode. I'm like, and literally, I'm like, what the fuck's airplane mode? I. I I think There's you a think button I... on the side of the phone that can uh, turn the ringer and buzzers. And is all this that an stuff. iPhone? It is. How the hell is this thing? Oh, forget it. Never mind. I might. I'm just. Let's move on. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, Thanks, now so. we're off in the weeds here. <laughs> now we're. No, Goddamn. Go ahead, Chris. But uh, 24 hour party people. Okay. Oh, what, yes. Just talking about. So yeah, it is a uh, kind of like. It's a dramatic film, kind of done in cinema verite style about mm-hmm. the rise and fall of Factory Records. And the bands that 
were on it, like Joy Division, uh, yeah. New Order, Happy Mondays. That'd be interesting to watch. Uh, it's it's really really good. It is really really good. And yeah, and it takes place over like from the seventies to the nineties, the whole time that the label existed. And Steve Coogan plays the head of the label, and it's it's sort of done like a that documentary cool. where he keeps yeah. addressing the camera. And the way it's shot, it's yeah. sort of like the style of the film progresses with the decade that it's in. It's like it starts out really channeling, like, you know, 70s yeah. rock and roll cinema, and then, like, kind of turns more into, like, the aesthetic of it sort of, like, shifts over yeah. time. Yeah. They do a good job uh, yeah. blending archival footage of uh, concert performances with newly shot footage for the film. It's sort of like what Woody Allen did with Zelig, where he was mixing pre-existing footage with this newly shot footage tailored to look like the archival footage. I love that. Footage. I, yeah. I love seeing that, too. It just, it just, there's something about that that just makes it a whole lot of fun for me. Go ahead. So my suggestion for this week is an older one. Uh, it's a 1965 film called The Naked Prey. There's a Criterion DVD of it. Mm-hmm. It's cited as one of the first cannibal movies. This uh, group of uh, slave traders and uh, the... 1800s are in uh, Africa on a safari and they encounter a tribe and they're supposed to deliver a gift, you know, as a, as a custom of uh, appreciation. And when one of them refuses it, uh, they're ambushed and pretty much all of the safari team is killed except for one member who's set loose. He's given a running start and he's basically running for his life throughout uh, wild Africa in this whole movie being oh, hunted. Wow. So it kind of sounds like the most dangerous game in a way. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Surviving the Game starring Ice-T from 1994. <laughs> wow, man. And Hard Target. Yep. I think maybe it, also from 1994? Yeah, probably. It sounds like the recipe for... for of most dangerous game. <laughs> it sounds like the recipe for an exploitation flick, which at the time it was kind of regarded as, but, you know, it's... Very beautifully shot, very handsome widescreen cinematography. Hmm. A lot of uh, location photography of the uh, of the terrain and a lot of nature photography. And there's this, it almost feels like a precursor to Terrence Malick because there's all these shots of animals in nature and in, in the element locked in combat. Similar to what he was doing with, uh, with uh, Tree of, not Tree of Life, uh, Thin Red Line hmm. and Days of Heaven. So that's my recommendation for the week. I actually, it started with a short video I watched of Neil Young um, from the 70s. There's a, I was just flicking on Facebook a few nights ago, and I come across a funny video of Neil Young uh, in New York going into a small record store, flipping through records, and he comes across a bootleg of one of his performances. And he... Somehow he had somebody, I think he was going around looking for stuff like that, because if anybody who knows Neil Young, he took that stuff very seriously. He mm-hmm. didn't like people bootlegging his stuff, right? So he actually had a camera guy following him around for this thing, however it pulled out. This was just a part of the entire video. And um, he actually takes the record up to the counter and says, um, yeah, so this is, where'd you get this from? And the guy, he's like, well, I don't, I just work here. I don't own the place. So literally, it's like a 20-minute video. He's like, well, I'm just going to take the record because it's my music. And I didn't authorize this. Right. This isn't for my label. So the guy's like, well, I'm going to have to, you know, you're going to go to jail. He's like, well, this might, you can't arrest me for this. This is my music. You're stealing from me. And on, this is back in the 70s. I mean, right. this is a big issue still now, right? Whoa. Uh, go ahead. No. I, I, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, they go back and forth. And finally, he talks to the owner on the phone. And, 
you know, it's really the owner's like, yeah, go ahead and take it. You know, I don't. You know, he he obviously had to put his hands up and say, yeah. So after watching that huh. little video, I thought that was hysterical. Well, you know, Neil Young's another one of those guys. They have, you know, all them old greats. Like I've always appreciated them. I've always listened to them, but I never really dug in. And mm -hmm. really got in my hand. Like, I'm doing that with Tom Petty right now, big time. Um, and Neil Young's like my next victim, I guess, because I ended up watching the BBC documentary they did a few years ago on Neil Young. Um, basically, you know, and of course, the title of it is like, that's why I was trying to grab Andrew's phone. Because I kept forgetting the title of it. But it's the BBC documentary. It's only an hour long. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. I, I would have liked a little bit more, I think. But what they tell you, it's it's more or less the Neil Young documentary right. of from his, you know, with a lot of great archival footage uh, of his of him playing with Crosby, Crosby, Stills and Nash, of course, um, Crazy Horse and whatnot. But it really gets into his mentality, and he's one of he was one of them. Even to this day, he still is a kind of a flighty musician where he don't stay anywhere for very long, and that was always a contention with him. People were always like, the guy's always, he can't stay anywhere and we get something going and he wants to leave, right? Uh, but it's just because if he just doesn't compromise. So you get into a lot of that with this documentary. It's fantastic. I did a review on it. I uh, just dropped it today, as a matter Sweet. of fact. Sweet. I'll guys. check it out later tonight. Really great. So yeah, Neil Young, I'm, I really enjoy it. Oh, it's a, and it's only an hour, too. It's not a real big investment of time. So it's, That's an easy watch. It's something okay. you can watch and really get a kick out of. It's really cool. That's what I had. That's all I have. I didn't watch. I watched forensic files all week. It just I don't know why. I got I got on a freaking murder porn thing. So I'm yeah. like, or when they, that's what it's called, murder porn, right? That's mm -hmm. what they call it. Like those shows are murder porn, I think. So yeah, you sit there. It's all the same story basically over and over again, but in a different town with different people. Yeah. For some reason, it's easy. To, it it calms my mind. Murder. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody I get think out. we need to find somebody new for this show. <laughs> but I've been I've been watching. I've been, had that stuff on like repeat on YouTube, or just going through like you know every episode on YouTube while I've been working at home all week. So I don't know what the hell. So watch the interview with the Ice Man. I have watched that. Richard That's, Kuklinski. That oh. is scary. That is scary. The movie's really chewing scary. that gum, just sitting there chewing the gum. That's yep. what really gets me about that. The real guy, you know, Kuklinski, the Ice Man. He sits there. They ask him a question, and he just goes. Just chewing the and gum. He just chews. He don't mm -hmm. chew it like regular. He just chews it every once in a while. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, I've it, seen those interviews. It's the Iceman interviews or whatever from HBO. Yeah. Uh, interviews are are uh, captivating. The movie they made out of it is terrible. Terrible. Saw with, it. Yeah. Horrendous. With uh, Michael, Michael Shannon, Shannon. and uh, uh, Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, yeah. I think the worst thing about it for me, besides all the fabricated details, were... Uh, Seeing Ray Liotta playing a gangster again. again. Like, come on, yeah. guys. Yeah, you can do something better than that. Yeah, the interviews are far more interesting than the film was. I saw that too, and it wasn't very good. All right, so we really, holy crap. Yeah. that's We're still in new, though we're in suggested yeah, viewing right but now. But we're done with that now, well, so yeah. we can kind of move along. So, hey, how about that weather? It's a <laughs> lot like LV-426, isn't it? Talking about LV-426. We're going to be talking about Alien tonight. Yeah. I don't, you know, this is... Chris, you had some really great ideas today, so I really, Thank you. I really want you to take the lead on if you if you're if you be yeah, so kind, of course. yeah, take the lead on this thing, man. So the floor is yours for like the next forty five minutes, and I'm gonna go uh, go and have a smoke, <laughs> go get a coffee. You know, oh, that, 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 what do you got, man? <laughs> hit me, hit me. All right, okay. Well, so yeah, well, I mean, I guess we should probably start at the beginning of the. Beginning, I mean, do we want to like go chronologically? Sure, or? let's go chronologically. Yeah, well, yeah, so yeah, let's just start out talking about. Yeah, Alien, the yeah, Ridley Scott and H.R. Giger, and I mean, just those two guys and what they brought to that movie, I think, I mean... Andrew, 
and I'm yeah. sorry to do this already, but we've had this conversation. I really want to hear what was did Ridley Scott was Giger Ridley Scott's first choice as art director on Alien originally. I think they were looking at a couple other choices, but I know that uh, originally it wasn't supposed to be Ridley Scott's project. It was it was Dan O'Bannon's project because he had made the film Dark Star with John Carpenter and. Ooh. That film obviously didn't go anywhere. And he said, well, I want to do the horror version of Dark Star. And he reshaped it into what Alien is. And it was originally going to be a low-budget Roger Corman thing, like Galaxy of Terror. Mm-hmm. So it very came very close to going down in uh, Grindhouse B-movie Sluttum is that. So, What kind of world would we third... live in if it actually happened that way? If Alien became Ooh. that? Well, a our, lot of things our pop probably... culture would be really lacking. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. It'd be totally different because, I mean, as we've discussed, I mean, these characters, I, Ripley, she has to be one of the first. I mean, we talked about Leia a few weeks ago. Of course. But yeah. Ripley was the next. But let's start, oh, yeah. let's start with Giger, though. I don't know how many people in this studio are Giger fans. I'm a oh, huge hell yeah. big, big time. Well, yeah. And I, think a lot I own of a his, couple of his books. I didn't I didn't actually get into Giger because of Alien. I got into Giger because of a band called Celtic Frost, which I know you have told you about, Chris. Yeah. Celtic Frost, they're an old they're an old uh band from Switzerland, old metal band, very influential in heavy music, and they used a Giger painting for one of their album covers, um, called the Satan One. <laughs> Imagine that, right? Giger was very blasphemous in a lot of that was he was into yeah, a lot of stuff yeah. like that. The mm-hmm. cover actually, and this is very brief. The cover actually is Christ as he would look hanging on the cross, uh, with this black figure behind that image, and he's basically this black figure is using that Christ on, as if he was on the cross without the cross behind him as a slingshot. Basically. Yeah, oh, I've seen that <laughs> image. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing that when I was a child, and I was very young, and I'm like, I that's not human. That and, I, and then you right. saw the band, and I'm like, holy crap, these are animals. It sounds like animals. It's like the most barbaric, dark music I've ever heard, and that album cover fit that mood perfectly. Mm. And so you know, that's where I. And then the next thing you know, of course, I follow that, and then we find out about Alien. Alien comes out. It was already out. The original was already out, obviously. So all those, you connect, at least me connecting all those lines together. I'm like, holy crap, that's the same guy who did that Celtic Frost album cover. Um, so I was immediately hooked on that. Um, yeah. Giger, his work on Alien, I mean, his inspiration, he's always said, has always come from his nightmares. He would, he worked, That's why the guy in his younger years was always working. He would work in the middle of the night because he'd wake up from a nightmare and he'd still have that image fresh in his head. Oh, mm. yeah. yeah. That's where a lot of his you know, mm. biomechanics came from, the actual alien inspiration, the book Alien, those those beautiful books that you can still get. Um, they came from a lot of nightmares that he was inspired from, basically. So the question yeah. I have then, Andrew or Chris, maybe one of you guys could answer this because I don't really know. Yeah. Did his artwork inspire alien and did he do the drawings and the artistry for the film prior to or did ridley scott and the film production company have that stuff specifically drawn 
make designs for the movies. Is that the proper way to ask? Well, I guess they were looking through different ideas, and uh, somebody on the team brought the book Necronomicon to Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah. Just take a look at this book, and he looked through a few pages and said, that's it, there's our alien. Yeah. And they actually did have some early concept art of what it was going to look like before he came on board, and it just looked like a generic uh, monster. It looked like something almost out of the Giver. The, really? The what was it? Nineteen eighty nine or cool. late nineties uh, when that came out? Yeah, yeah, in the nineties. Yeah. So originally it looked like that before uh, Gear got involved. The other thing that's kind of uh, around this timeline was the Jodorowsky's Dune was falling apart, and Giger spent a long time doing conceptual artwork for that film, which yeah. never came to be. And much of Beautiful the crew too. associated Beautiful. with Giger. They all wound up just picking up and going on to Alien because the ship that was holding Jodorowsky's Dune together started sinking. <laughs> so I think a lot of the ideas that were put into Jodorowsky's Dune kind of kind of moved over to Alien with some minor tweaking from what I gathered. Mm-hmm. Okay, And we cool. see those ideas, I think, in Prometheus, for example, you see those big giant mounds. Mm-hmm. And those are mm-hmm. uh, those are Giger esque. Those are those are influenced from his works also. So mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I hate I hate to take us back this far with this conversation, but I really think that Giger was a one of the most important pieces of this puzzle that became the movie Alien that mm-hmm. we all have had oh, our minds yeah. blown over and over again with. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, well, that's. I mean, like like you were saying, Andrew, it definitely was a really. I mean, like, the core of that movie, the premise, totally could be just another, you know, just B-movie of that era, but it was, yeah, like, that art design and the way that Ridley Scott approached it was just, like, that really just, like, cold, precise, just, like, really, like, slow burn tension. Yeah, yeah. And that he directed it like a serious thriller. Like, if it wasn't for those two guys, I mean, as as much as, obviously, Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusset's script and story is good... It definitely was way elevated by what those two brought to it. It had to look a certain way, and let's just let's just throw the elephant in the room out there. The chestburster scene, for the time, and even when I in the eighties when when we were growing up and we saw it, there was nothing out there in my opinion that that could hold a candle to that as far as shock value was concerned. You heard about how they created that scene, right? No, go oh, ahead. Oh well. Uh... They didn't really tell the actors what it was going to look like. Yeah, oh, that, yeah. Okay. So, and they shot it with multiple cameras, and when blood started going everywhere, they got very spontaneous, real reactions on camera. So, the anthology, I I got to, you guys got me up. Ding, ding, ding. All right. So, (laughs) um, I just bought that Blu ray set. Yeah. Anthology Blu ray set. I got it for for a really good deal over Christmas. Mm -hmm. And on the bonus. Uh, bonus Blu-rays. You're talking about those multiple angles. Yeah, they have a whole suite for that on the Blu-rays where you can watch each all, one play out all the different angles, like, like all these wild angles, like behind shit, like you see around some. There's mm-hmm. all these cool different camera angles where you can watch the whole thing. Oh, that's play out. really cool. Yeah, it's super mm-hmm. cool to watch that. For, you know, if you're an alien nerd like I am, I was like, oh, I'm watching every little thing on here. So that scene, yeah, that was totally. It was, it, it was not, they were not told about that. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what the hell was going to happen. So those reactions you see, totally natural. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what really added to the whole terror of the thing, too. Um, maybe it's not something you can really put your finger on, 
But, well, obviously the act of that thing happening was just terrifying in and of itself. It was shocking. I mean, nowadays... <laughs> it still know, holds up. It holds oh, up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Uh, but the people's reactions mm-hmm. um, were what I think was a big part of that, too, where you know, people, they, they just flipped out. I know we'll probably end up talking about Prometheus later on, So, and there's, there's, a, there's a thread to that also in Prometheus. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Mm. So... I mean, what else is there to say about Alien? I mean, oh Jesus, <laughs> oh, where to begin? <laughs> where do you begin? I mean, they, we could go for days. I think just on that film. Itself. I mean, do you guys consider it more of a horror movie, a thriller, or sci-fi? Uh, science fiction horror. Yeah, yeah, a little bit of all of the above. I'd say. I go by what they mm-hmm. say. They say on the making of uh, one of the one of the making ofs I watched the documentaries. They say what we try to do is create a haunted house in space. Yeah, I remember. it really I is. That idea was yeah. really cool. Except that know? there's no there's no escape. Yeah. Except the escape pod, if, yeah. you're, if you're lucky. I think the idea of the xenomorph, the alien, the xenomorph. One thing that's very different about Alien compared to the other films is mm-hmm. it, it doesn't show very much of the alien. Like, in the special features, there's some angles where you see it crawling up to Lambert like a crab, like this weird backwards walk, and you yeah. see every bit of it. And, it you know, it's just another guy in a suit, ultimately, even though Carlo Rambaldi did magnificent work on the teeth and the head yeah the animatronic yeah. mouth yeah um ultimately it was re-edited and shot in such a way that you don't really see it you just kind of catch glimpses of it but that's what i think makes it so cool though too that we can talk about i don't know if we're going to talk about alien versus predator also if we have conversation time. if we have time is it really it, canon though no <laughs> It shouldn't be. Well, there's two different. The, the whole thing is, that I think there's two different viewpoints on that. I mean, the you know the original Alien, yeah, that's what makes that thing so dark, and I think that's what makes the mythos of the Xenomorph so cool is that it's such an elusive creature. Yeah, it literally is. It's in camouflage all the time, and it's got a method of whatever this creature can do, where it can hide anywhere. Of course, the thing can, it comes down from the damn ceiling all the time on mm-hmm. you too. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. thing is that you said, Andrew. There is no escape. That's what has always kept me so captivated with the Xenomorph is that, okay, they always end up, somebody always ends up escaping. But look, you got lucky, asshole, because yeah. you got real lucky because mm-hmm. there is nothing in this universe that can, that can take one of these things on. Just, just the monster itself, all of its defense mechanisms, acid for blood, number one. I mean, that, and we've seen that in, in these films over and over again. Anybody gets shot. Well, they're just as in bad a shape as that thing is. Yeah. Right? Go ahead, Andrew. Uh, one other point I want to come back to about Giger is that given how uh, sexually dark his his work is, yeah. it yeah. really went into the narrative as well for Alien. Like, not directly, but thematically, the idea that the alien force, forcibly impregnates a human yep. with oral rape. And the way it's born is a sexually transmitted disease, if you will. The attack of uh, Ash on Ripley is highly sexually suggestive, if not outright sexist. Trying to jam that that magazine, porno magazine, yeah, and yeah. then his head is knocked off, spitting up white blood. Like, yeah. why is it white? You know, it's yeah. yeah. And there was in, in that fi- that scene too. There was like naked. There, there was like porno pictures on the walls too. Right. And I, and that, there was all that sexual st- type of stuff in that. Um, in the last scene, she's you know she's down to her her knickers oh, and tank top, a, man. and mm. right there and then is when the uh, you know when it shows up. Spoiler, but, well, uh, I think everybody's seen it at this yeah. point. But you know, even that's the whole idea of the the damsel in 
the damsel in distress trope that you see in so many 50s horror movie posters of a monster carrying a half-naked woman in his arms. I mean, yeah. it's it's a very classic image that's sort of re-rendered in this new um, mm -hmm. proto-feminist fashion. Yeah, and definitely know. inverted. Mm -hmm. I mean, with how... I mean, that's something that I find really interesting about that movie is that, like, I mean, something about the way that sort of the feminism of that movie comes in, like how it's marketed with Tom Skerritt as the star and the whole movie sets up like, oh yeah, like this, like the dude who's the captain of the ship is going to be like the action hero of the movie. And then like, like you slow, like realize like, oh no, like you were just assuming that cause that's what, like that's how movies worked then. But yeah. no, like this woman, she's the hero of the movie and like the, the way that like the focus shifts yeah. and she like really comes into her own as, yeah, I mean, like you were starting to say before, like the like one of the early like really great feminist heroes of modern genre cinema. Completely. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind yeah. of funny too because it's almost the whole series is like female on female action because it's her against the queen. Yeah, mm -hmm. I yeah. never really thought about that. Yeah, before. totally. Mm -hmm. yeah. On the sexual angle, also there's there's more also when you look at the xenomorph. Especially in the books and stuff like that, that his his designs, the head especially. Oh yeah, very oh, yeah. phallic looking. Yeah. Right. Um, also, the eggs themselves. There's a, there's a lot of discussion on this in the documentaries. Mm -hmm. The original design of the eggs, the opening literally was just a. Oh yeah. Gash. Let's say. A vagina. <laughs> a vagina. It was bad. It was very vaginal looking, right? And the, they actually said, "Okay, Giger, you gotta that scale that, it back. That's gonna scare bit, the shit yeah. out of people." So. What he did, and, and and he talks, Giger talks about this in Dark, yeah, Dark Star, his, his the last documentary he did before he passed away. Um, he was talking about Alien, and he's like, so they said not to, it looked too too much, Giger. So he's like, I basically made it into two vaginas, and he, he put, you know, and now yeah. it's the four thing opening, very flower like, you mm -hmm. know, very mm -hmm. floral looking. But mm -hmm. he's like, it's the same thing. I just kind of just crisscrossed it. No, I didn't really change it that much. Yeah, there well, was, that's all of his like but, the weird kind of psychosexual no, imagery and all of his you know, erotic mechanics. He you know he, yeah. he called them erotic mechanics, biomechanics, and that mm. that's all works into the, the xenomorph itself and the nature of the film. Yeah, and like was, it being so phallic and like you know the feminist hero of the films fighting this like really phallic yeah. looking yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. Remember the shot where uh, they're they're looking at. Uh, cane underneath an x-ray and they're looking what's it got down his throat and it shows the screen of what looks yeah, like generic medical footage originally yeah. they built a special effect showing the mandible going down his throat but the studio looked at it and said too sexually suggestive so they just swapped it out with some random footage but huh. you know no one thought no one thought twice about it so it worked fine i guess yeah I mean, I don't really, yeah, where do you start? Where do you end with this thing? There's, just from the little bit we're talking about here, this shows you the depth of, of what this film has. Mm -hmm. um, of course, we all watch this stuff like 50 times a month, too. That film <laughs> so also, yeah. Stuff out of it. <laughs> that film and uh, Star Wars, see, up to that point, sorry, my voice is carrying, that film and uh, Star Wars really were antithetical to 2001's antiseptic, sterile, yeah, crisp clean point of view 
of the future. Yeah. This had a very uh, down and dirty, gritty, uh, very gritty interstellar. It coined the term interstellar truck drivers because it's like the yeah, Nostromo is a that. giant diesel truck. It's constantly breaking. They're constantly repairing it. Yeah. And the employees are just bickering about when are they going to get their vacation their and share, their pay. Their share. Yeah. 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 I want to go home. I want to party. <laughs> <laughs> And and that's one thing that is really cool about that is you do see the reality of that is not any different really than the lives we live now. You know, it's a grind. You're there working. These guys are skilled tradesmen, right? Uh, whether they're pilots or they're mechanics, they're skilled tradespeople, and they're just working for their share, mm-hmm. right? Very real, very gritty, very dirty. I mean, there's just so much of that in Alien uh, that you get to experience. Um, you know, the, the one thing that always blew my mind too, is they're around billions of dollars worth of equipment, basically. And they're smoking cigarettes. Like they're like, Kane's just basically sitting there in the pilot seat with a cigarette hanging out of his mouth going, okay, you get ready to land. <laughs> you mean yeah. that now that was like in the seventies, right? So yes. smoking was accepted. Big, it was accepted yeah. a lot more and people smoked all the time in films. But if you thought about that now, it's like if any company or anywhere you're at with equipment, it's like, you're not smoking around that stuff that's like a, yeah. a million dollar piece of equipment get the hell out of here yeah right? yeah um yeah blade tire everything a, up blade runner had a ton of smoking <laughs> in it too i yeah and yeah. i know that um ridley scott would smoke cigars on the set when he was directing so yeah. that was uh in fact in the audio commentary for alien he says hi i'm ridley scott and you can hear him talking through a cigar as he's lighting it up <laughs> on the commentary no joke that's wow <laughs> so how about aliens yeah. Oh. See, now we just want to talk about it. We just I, loudest movie I've ever heard in a theater. Ever. Aliens. Yeah, it was louder than two of the concerts that I saw later this year Damn. when I saw it in seventy millimeter. Yeah. yeah, Aliens. I've probably seen that one the most of the entire series. Same. Just because that was the first one I saw. Same. Yeah. I saw Aliens first with my dad yeah. in the theater. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, you got to go see this." And then after we saw that in the theater, it was like, well, I got to see the first one now. Yeah. You know, but Aliens, I love that movie. I love the camaraderie between the Colonial Marines. I love just the banter between all of them. Bill Paxton's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, it's actually, I think Aliens is almost a perfect movie. Oh, yeah. Here's a bit of, here's an ironic twist for you. So uh, that Roger Corman movie I mentioned earlier, Galaxy of Terror, was a total ripoff of Alien, unabashed ripoff. But one of the effects technicians was James Cameron. And if you look at a lot of the panning shots of the planet, it's all in deep blues. And who would have thought years later, the guy who did the effects for the ripoff of Alien would direct the sequel, the official sequel to Aliens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely the most colorful, I think, of of all the Alien, the franchise, yeah. I guess. Uh, the most action-packed also. Yes. Uh, it really was, like, set out to be, like, this is the badass. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously you're dealing with the Colonial Marines um, and all those characters. That's what I think you were saying. There was just so many colorful characters and, and where Alien had, you know, they all had their great personalities also, but it, like it goes back to what I was saying, like, these are just working people, they're down, they're gritty, they're doing their thing, and they're just regular people, where now you're dealing with the baddest people, supposedly, in the universe, that are go- that are taking on literally the baddest thing in the universe, the truly baddest thing in the universe, right? Um, when you put it into those things, it's kind of like, oh, great, it's another, another war movie, but if you've seen the film. Which well, we see, have. that's oh, the cool yeah. thing, too, is that Aliens is kind of like 
the opposing end of the spectrum from Alien, where Alien is very dark, confined and dark in this moody, small space. And very drawn out and yeah. methodical in its pacing. And then yeah. in Aliens, you go from just this like thriller-esque horror in space thing to them being on the planet and having all this room to spread out. Mm. And you see all these different environments when they're in the medical center. Yeah. And they're going through the entire colony and just you see all these different. It's a big adventure. Yeah. It really. I mean, really, oh, it's yeah. where it is. And I just finished watching was I never saw it. I mean, and I should be shot for that, I guess, because the Blu-ray set that I did pick up, it has the original theatrical cut, as of course, and it's got the 2003 extended cut. Which is like another forty-five minutes of footage. Yeah, I really like the director's oh, cut of it's, that. A lot yeah, of the stuff yeah. they add in. Yeah, it's makes fantastic. A huge There's a lot of great, you know, just it's more just dialogue. Well, scenes, the biggest you know? change I remember yeah. was that Ripley has a daughter in the director's cut, which yeah. she found yeah. out passed away when she was yeah. in hypersleep. Yeah, and it ties into. Uh, Newt losing her family. We see Newt and the Jordan yeah. family before yeah. they discover the derelict ship. So there, you have the idea that uh, both Ripley and Newt have lost their families. So naturally, they're going to gravitate towards each other at the end when Newt calls her mommy. Yeah, that at the was very that. end. Yeah, yeah, completely uh, natural. Like, uh, and it worked in the theatrical cut, but it made much more sense symbolic, thematically, and symbolically with those extra scenes back in the film yeah uh yeah and it makes her it makes ripley definitely an even more fleshed out like very well-developed and nuanced character when you can sympathize with well, her yeah. plight yeah. a little bit more when you're like oh shit she lost her daughter that she never really even knew too yeah mm. and i mean and aliens now that that is the movie where you know like ripley really kind of even more so takes off as like the really like feminist action hero mm -hmm. lead. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, the, the 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 interplay between her and Hicks. Yeah, um, I forgot the actor's name, of course. Michael Bean. Thank you Michael very Bean. much. Uh, that their interplay, I love. Oh yeah, because um, there's there is you know, it's obvious there's an attraction, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there is that scene where he's showing her the gun. And she, you know, he's, you know, he's like, well, this is where you pull it at, you know, a lot of stuff. And she, he, she, he's like, she's like, well, what's that? He's like, well, that's the grenade launcher. I don't think you want to deal with that. And she's like, like no, well, no, you um, show me the whole thing. Yeah. yeah right. Mm -hmm. Show me the whole thing. And he's like, you know, and he just kind of, you see him kind of smile and go, okay. You know, which mm -hmm. of course you go further into the film comes in very handy for her. Of course. So that yeah. all yeah. made perfect well, sense. Well, yeah, well, that whole, the whole dynamic of like, and I mean, in the context of like 80s action cinema, where it's just like all the action heroes were just like the biggest, burliest, most badass dudes. Yeah. Like, you know, your Schwarzenegger and Stallone oh. and Van Damme and stuff. And and that's sort of who the Space Marines are. They're like these really archetypal 80s macho mm -hmm. dude action heroes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then Ripley comes in and just like totally shows them all up. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, and like, and, and that, you know, the fact that she is a mom too and like that side of her personality really mm. does help her like that's really important to what makes her such a like good fighter at the end when she takes on it kind of pulls queen. her through mm -hmm. yeah so i mean and so that uh i mean just like just like the first one between yeah like the really phallic creature and the sort mm. of the creepiness of the ash villain and yeah. then aliens like both of them 
do really, really interesting things like taking the gender tropes of the genres that they're in and mm -hmm. turning them on their head. And I mean, and it's, it's cool because it adds so much more to those. Like, I mean, they both function really, really well just at the pure genre level. They don't like, you know, those movies would still be classics even if they hadn't had all these deeper thematic levels. But right. in both cases, I mean, the filmmaker is like, no, no, we can't just make a good genre film. We should make this really about things and have ideas and themes and yeah. make them really like multi-layered and really smart movies. And that's why it ends up being more than just an action movie. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, and I mean, it's it's obviously that too, but it's... Like, a it's a rare, yeah, it's an action movie that's really smart, and you don't see that oh, often. Oh, hell yeah. There's a lot of subtext through uh, <laughs> through the first two films without being pretentious <laughs> and without being uh, preachy. It's just sort of what you uh, what you take from the characters and the yeah. events rather than uh, spelling it out for you. Well, and that nurturing aspect of, of Ripley um, carries through the other films, too. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, the character and everything you're talking about, and it's just how all these dimensions to this character that we get to see. Oh, like, yeah. That's what makes Ripley such an interesting character. Um, but the whole nurturing, motherly aspect carries from Aliens all the way through the rest of the films, you know, all the other three, let's say. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that whole idea um, that she can be this, this, obviously, this badass, let's just say it. She yeah. takes zero mm -hmm. shit. But she has that that still yeah. that natural maternal instinct that 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 she would have a woman would have right? and and in and that she's like she's a badass because she is a woman and she has those things yeah. she's not yeah. yeah. Another thing that's different about Alien versus Aliens is that the first Alien is and I mean both of them go on LV four twenty six at some point but Alien yeah. goes back into space and you have nothing but space around you around the ship with an alien running around in it. And while Alien sort of does the same thing, the idea that they're on this planet that's a ticking time bomb, that I think that just places it in a whole different uh, level of intensity than just having it be in a, a spaceship. Yeah. 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 And that it's, you know, the alien's world and there's all the, you know, like the first one was very like cold and a lot of machinery and mm. then Aliens has like the organic, like the tunnels that look like them. Well, yeah, they've, mm -hmm. been, uh, they've hived it out. They're, well, hive, that's, basically. you know, that's the other thing I was going to say. You learn more about the creature then, too. Well, yeah. yeah. Is that they what you're going to say? I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> the, the practical effects in the sets of Aliens, it's kind of amazing yeah. Oh, yeah. what they created with that because mm. now, you know, it'll all be green screen and computer generated. It was all, yeah, that was all real And shit. all this stuff being practical and real when you watch that now, it's like it just has such a bigger level of intensity to it just because it's you feel the, like they're actually there. They you don't are, feel yeah. like they're running up against, a you know, a green screen or whatnot. Like well, it actually yeah. feels tangible. It's an actual environment and just all the goop and nastiness everywhere. I love that movie. I just love it. Oh, yeah. one, one last thing I'll say that they they – definitely get into in the second film but only touch on the in the extended cut of the first alien is the life cycle of the alien how they see explains it yeah how they seize and uh immobilize a human place an egg in front of it and and wind up killing the human to make more aliens uh, they really went into that in the second film but they only touched on it in the scene where ripley finds uh Dallas and Brett in the landing leg area of the ship in the first alien. She just stumbles upon them and Giger actually did all the designs for that whole sequence, but 
they didn't know where to put it, so they cut it out of yeah, the they film. They cut it out, yeah. yeah. Um, we we did talk a little bit of the inner the interplay in Aliens is just that's what makes it really special is just all the great dialogue. Uh, oh yeah, Paxton, oh yeah. You know, there's just so many great one-liners from that character. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, why don't you put her in charge? My like, favorite line of the game whole Game over, man. Game, game over, over, man. Game There's over. There's a lot more humor in the second film. There's a shit yeah. ton of humor. I mean, the whole first hour of the film where they're, where they're just, you know, do the thing with the out. knife. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, and they're all them talking shit to each other, goofing around. Oh, you yeah. look how I feel, or I feel how you look. You know, they're all just they. The, the, how do I get out of this chicken shit outfit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the beauty of that is, you know, and <laughs> I know, all those people. All they do is just sit there and rib each other. The commander ribs all them. He's the boss. I'm in charge. But you know, that and you see it through the film as they're all one by one getting picked off. Um, there is that brotherhood and sisterhood between all them that you you know that you have in the military. Well, the yeah, I was gonna say right. it feels like a military. Yeah, it yeah, has totally. that personality Absolute to it. Badass. Yeah, and, great. And every one of them is a really good character. Like yeah, every yeah. one of those characters, strong. strong. Yeah, yeah and like they all have really distinct personalities. None yeah. of them are disposable characters. No. and they were all they. And, and they all got their chance to shine, too. That's the yeah. thing. You, you didn't see one that didn't... Well, I don't remember that one. No, I remember all of them. Yeah, and they, they all have, have really memorable lines. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, And, yeah, you really feel for all of them. Yeah, yeah you feel... You're know, like, oh, I don't want to see you. you. Yeah, like, literally, like, oh, I don't want to see that that one die. Ah, it sucks, you know? Yeah. Not like, oh, well, I didn't really You ever matter. been mistaken for a man? <laughs> no. <laughs> have you? Have you? <laughs> At Vasquez. Yeah. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Again, it's one of one of those ones like where do you start and where do yeah. you end? Now you could go for days on yeah. this, oh, yeah. just riffing on but, this. And then all of that stuff, I think that kind of leads into like the ideas that I had been talking to you guys about earlier yeah. that you had alluded to, where I think because of all this stuff, like so you have these two movies that are both really different, totally different genres even, but they're both like damn near perfect at what they do mm-hmm. and then in the second one you have like this sprawling world all these cool images all these really memorable characters and then all that stuff is what led to i mean i'm you know since i'm a bit younger than you guys and you know i grew up you know like my childhood was like the you know the early and mid 90s when like because of all that stuff aliens yeah. had really just exploded into just like this mm-hmm. massive massive extended universe like every media franchise i mean yeah like at its core it was just these two movies but because there's so much for your imagination to yeah. grab onto and the world is so big so yeah, you had like the comics that expanded on all those characters the dark horse the, comics right yeah, the, the dark yeah. horse comics you had all the action figures mm-hmm. and every one of the mm-hmm. action figures came with a comic that was yeah, about right. I remember that, that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I so, still have some of those. Yeah, and like all the like even like the more like the characters who aren't around for all that long in the movie, you know, like they have like the little comic prequel that like really like delves into their character and like it just like that series got so big well, it, and it was everywhere in pop culture the video games yeah. mm-hmm. and that's how mm-hmm. alien versus predator mm-hmm. happened it was yeah. like oh both these things are so popular what if we put them together and made it even bigger well, they kind of teased at it in predator 2 on the ship <clears throat> where you see this 
a wall of skulls of all the yeah. different creatures that the Predator killed throughout the universe, and mm. on the wall xenomorph. is a xenomorph skull. Yep. You know, here's the thing, too, and it's no... I, I, I'm going to look for it again. There was, and this is a cool little thing, just part, part of this idea you're talking about... And, Bottom line for that just tells me the impact it had, just those two films. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just got people's minds working. Somebody actually uh, created a website years and years ago, and it actually went away, but I think it could probably get it from the Internet Archive, Yeah. Um, called the Fairpoint Papers. And it was simply just a website of a guy, I don't know who he was, but I read the damn thing, just cover to cover, literally, um, who took the four alien films, right, and... Tried actually went to PhDs, biology, physiology, all these things, and tried to develop a true big picture of what the xenomorph is. It was focused on the xenomorph, the creature, and he made it very official and computer like you know the old school computer looking. It was a really cool looking website on its on its own, but the information I read this thing a couple of times, as a matter of fact, because literally it just went into like, well, the, the sociology of these, of these creatures, like, well, they have no problem. For example, I mean, it, much more wordy and with more ideas, but you know, they have no problem actually killing each other. If, if it means the good of their race, which we saw, you know, in alien four, which we'll get to also. Yeah. So he would dive into these, these, you know, from the movies, get into, you know, take those pieces and try to flesh out the entire, you know, what makes these things what they are. Right, because that's, that's to really me the cool. xenomorph is easily the most interesting monster creature, whatever you want to call it, just because of the complexity of of the creature. Just from the first two films, we we're talking about the we were talking about the uh, the hives, right? Yeah. Now, for me at least, if I was walking somewhere and I walked into like like okay, we're walking down a hallway, and then all of a sudden it starts to turn into this <laughs> weird undulating type of, you know, biomechanic, you know, biomechanical type looking thing, I'd be like, I'm not going to go any further in here, I don't think. That's just my instinct. Yeah. It's like the interior of an ant's nest or a beehive there you go. honeycomb. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that I wanted to mention that, the Fairpoint Papers, and I'm going to try to dig into the Internet Archive and see if I can find it because it's a fantastic read. It's really yeah. cool. So, so, yeah. Uh, Alien 3. Shall we talk about Alien yeah. 3? Well, yeah. I'll be honest with you guys. Like, Alien 3... I'm an Alien 3 apologist. I love I love it. Alien 3. I mean, it still gets knocked Another to this very cut. day. Another extended people, cut they did, too, was really good. People hate that movie. And I'm like, if you want to hate on something, go hate on Alien Resurrection. Because yeah. really, yeah. that is the it's bad low point of the series. How could they say? And I've heard that so many times from people. And you have your opinion. That's totally cool. But Alien 3... Why do people say that's such a bad film? Because it kind of changed the element of the story and people did not like the um the prison part of the story and they didn't like the religious aspect of it well, and they didn't think that those characters, the prisoners had any like redeeming qualities, stuff like that. Well, people just immediately backlashed against Alien 3 when it came out. Well, here's what happened. They set a release date, summer 1992, but they didn't have a script. They didn't have a director. They couldn't make up their mind on who they wanted. It was really like it was really like Cleopatra all over again. Remember Cleopatra with uh, Richard Burton? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. They they had the sets built, but they did not have a finished screenplay, and they really it's just the best way to go. Yeah, 
so they were really taking a gamble there and they got lucky but with alien 3 they didn't know what they were going to do they just let's make another movie and it kept changing hands rennie harlan was attached to it and the one who got closest to making it who ultimately didn't was vincent ward the director of what dreams may come he envisioned this pentecostal planet of wood and all of those elements were kept except the planet of wood they just changed it to a prison planet and fired vincent ward before hiring david fincher but even fincher was struggling on the phone for all hours of the night every night with the execs at 20th century fox he hated working on that film he was just described as a nightmare and they fired fincher too they pretty much pulled the plug in the production and said, okay, let's cut together what we have and see if it works. I didn't and, know that part. And it didn't yeah. work. They went back with reshoots. They actually spent $10,000 rebuilding a bald cap for Sigourney Weaver because she didn't want her to shave her head again. So yeah. they spent a ton of money on reshooting the ending for the movie and changing things up a bit. And even though it's Fincher's footage, it's not his editing. It's not his yeah. style at all. Yeah. So... If you look at the if you look at the DVD credits for his filmography on the DVD for Panic Room, Alien mm. Three is not on Fincher's filmography. Really? And when uh, Jean Pierre Junet was hired to direct Alien Resurrection, he ran into Fincher, and Fincher said, "You're doing the next Alien movie? Run like hell, man!" <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know, I think now. Okay, I have not seen Alien Three since possibly the 90s Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or early 2000 i mean because that's i mean again i think part of the part of the backlash also is that i mean like i i heard it described once as alien 3 had day of the dead syndrome like not that it's Mm. a bad movie in itself but it's a movie that on its own might have been fine but it follows two monumental game-changing classics that like no matter what those are damn near impossible acts to follow. And, like, especially, like, all that stuff I had just said about how the franchise got so big and became this, like, cultural giant that was before Alien 3, really. It was all, you know, based around aliens. And I know, like I I said to you guys before when we were brainstorming this, like, for a lot of my generation, especially, like, most of my friends, Aliens is the first R-rated movie we saw. And yeah, like when I, I, I got yeah. to meet Lance yeah. Henriksen at Comic Con a couple years ago, and like that was what I told him. Like, dude, you had a giant effect on my childhood. <laughs> like, Aliens is like the first like serious business grown-up yeah. mm-hmm. movie. Like, and so and coming off of that, I mean, like Alien Three was just a little like it couldn't help but disappoint people just because it was in the shadow of this fucking giant and i i need to rewatch yeah. it again i need to watch the extended cut i mean the one that i mean i know david fincher is very emphatic that like he will not call it his director's cut because he just wants nothing to do with that but the one that is closest to david fincher's vision that's yeah. on the blu-ray yeah mm-hmm. i need mm-hmm. to give that movie a a second chance but it I, just it's in a it is in a losing situation no matter what i think another major issue that people took with alien 3 was the fact that you know ripley went through this entire thing in aliens of saving these people and getting newt off the planet and they escaped and you thought they were in a good place yeah yeah, yeah. and then it's so fucking hopeless and then all of no. a sudden we just kill 
uh, Newt, Newt and Hicks. And Hicks, Hicks yeah. And well, Bishop is basically just thrown in a garbage heap. Yeah. In, in, Both I think actors, it, uh, Carrie Henn and Michael Bean, were actually really mad about how they were written out of the movie. Yeah. Like, they well, could have come up with a better way to do it than that. I yeah, always it, hate it when they do that. Burned. I always hate, yeah, it, right. I hate when they do that with sequels when they like write off what happened in the end of the last movie because it's like, holy shit, you made us sit through two hours and 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. But, now this, we're, like, but, but now we're talking about, and I mean to cut you off, but now with these new films they're going to be shooting, there has been talk, and I could be totally wrong, there has been talk where we might get something in between those two films. Yeah, like that, well, not even in between those. I mean, what what they were talking about doing, and I know it... Might not happen with Blomkamp after Chappie, but yeah. Ridley Scott has said that idea, he still wants that to happen in the series that he's now sort of showrunner of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, yeah, I mean, like, the, the working title of it was Alien 3.2, and it mm-hmm. was just going to be a straight-up retcon. Like, yeah. let's just not have three, and I know Blomkamp and Tease, like, you know, maybe it won't be, we'll forget, like, it might be some sort of, like, divergent universe weirdness, but, mm-hmm. like... Basically, like, okay, what would have happened if there had been an Alien 3 that was a proper sequel to Aliens, and it actually had Hicks and Newt, and, like, was the thing that, in 1992, everybody wanted Alien 3 to be. Yeah, yeah. And I... I really, really want to see that. I mean, say what you will about Blomkamp and who you want to direct it, I want to see that. I really want to see that, too, but at the same time, I accept... Alien 3 as it is now. Oh, I do too. I I look at those three films as a true trilogy. It's a very somber movie too when compared to the first two films. And the first two films, one was straight up horror. The second one was action adventure thriller. The third one, you just feel bad while watching that film. It's just an oppressive place they're in. The look of the film. The third one's a prison escape film. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's... Like you were saying about Day of the Dead, you're stuck with these totally unpleasant characters and you're just locked up with them for the whole movie and yeah <clears throat> Ripley's the only character you can latch onto and maybe the few <clears throat> seconds of Bishop that you see but otherwise oh, other than Pete Postulate who's one of the prisoners yeah. you really can't relate to any of those characters yeah and there's a lot of really good actors in that movie too who just get totally the doctor I always forget his name yeah um, there's another scene that didn't make sense they fully develop that character and right after they finish Giving him his due, boom, he's killed off. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. Gee, thanks, movie. I mean, I mean, literally, yeah. He start the the relationship is blossoming, it's happening, and then they kill him. I also didn't really like the look of the alien in that film too. I know they were going for like a dog and a bull, but yeah, Richard yeah. Edlund, who did the effects for the Ghostbuster, the Ghostbusters movies, and 2010, the year we made Contact, he used these models to show it crawling and walking on the walls and it just looked fake it did not look real Mm. at all like you can tell when it cuts between the shot of a guy in a suit and a green screen visual effects shot it did that didn't look too good i agree one of the things they did say about that that xenomorph in three was they were trying to make it look like a freight train on four legs Mm. like how it moved especially like in the hallway doing the whole hallway thing the The first person point of view shots of it are great though yeah yeah. oh yeah they really are they really are yeah um Again, I, I, yeah, there's there's definitely some drawbacks in the film. It did get confusing at times. Um, yeah, the whole religious aspect, which they do explain, like this is what happened. You know, this is why these guys. They basically this way. converted. They converted, um, and but there are some really great redeeming things with those characters. I think still there's a mm. there's a great scene with three of the guys, and I don't know all their names. Uh, 
But they were all in a hallway and they were out scavenging for stuff. They, used to, they would go on those runs to scavenge for things, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're talking and he's like, you know, one of the guys is like, oh, I just can't stand this goddamn. The guy's like, hey, watch your language. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, these huh. are like, these are the worst of the worst here. Double Y yeah. chromosome or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. But now they have been tamed through religion that, you know, they can actually discipline once one another with this belief system. Huh. And, we, and, and I think that was really interesting. And there's another great little interplay after that. He's like, what is all this shit? And the guy's like, watch your language. He's like, there's nothing wrong with shit. It ain't against God. You know, <laughs> which is just a great, huh. it's hilarious. It's funny. It's a little bit comical. But I think like that interplay with those guys as a group, not as individuals, as a group, I like that. Because these guys are these evil, like horrible people, rapers, you know, rapists, murderers. I mean, the whole know? movie has just a major religious connotation yeah. to it, you know. But they all they're that all, they they're all, all sac- bonded together on that idea of religion now. They've mm. all converted to a religious and life. Monogamy, too, right? Monogamy. And yeah. also, um, they all decide to protect the one female who's going to give birth to the alien, yeah. basically. And mm. then... She dies at the end. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just the whole thing. But and I mean, one of the, and that's what I always thought was funny is like one of the prisoners does get out at the you know the one guy does that's get right. out you know <laughs> fuck you you know all that crap. I mean, there is one survivor so that walks out of there. From the look of that film, that was going to be it. Like once Ripley died, that was it for the series. Yeah. And so we thought it yeah, should fuck. it should have been should've until been. like the single most implausible sci-fi plot device. We I mean, that, that's the biggest roadblock for me with Alien Resurrection is yeah. even within the pantheon of goofy-ass sci-fi movie plot devices, the plot of that movie makes absolutely no goddamn sense. What do you mean? Yeah. They, they just, no they sense did, they at all. They just in a lab. Come on now. But, so... If you clone someone, they're not still going to have the thing in their body that was in there when they died. It's not part of her, it's not her DNA. DNA. I know, I know. It's mm. like if they did, was like the, the sandwich that she ate earlier that day still in there, too. <laughs> but it's the future. Like, dude, she's born with a sandwich on her face. It's the future, don't you know, Chris? Come on, man. In the Run future, that's sandwich. how this shit works. Yeah, hundred percent behind you. On Alien that. Resurrection is fucking terrible. It is terrible. It's so, but and again, like Andrew was saying, I I'm sure there's a lot of studio meddling bullshit that happened because it's written by a really good screenwriter, Just directed by a really good director, and it's fucking shit from both of them. Both of them hate that movie. And both of them are like, well, that's not the movie that I made. And yeah. a wonderful cast also. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. Because it, well, it had, like, it was all Janae yeah. regulars. Was all the people. people from, like, Ron City of Lost Children. Yeah, Ron and, Perlman. And yeah, thank you. That yeah. guy whose name I'm forgetting from his movies. The, you know, d- that, the dwarf, right? Yeah, the, yeah. He's in all of his movies. He was in Anomaly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But so, I mean, like, it had what, all, it had what all the tools to be a fantastic film. Yeah, and like, so, but what what did the studio do to that? That Joss Whedon wrote it and now says, like, well, that's not even the movie that I wrote. And Janae says, well, that's not even the movie that I directed. Like, who fucked that up so the, bad? The first thing about Alien Resurrection that I'll say is if you watch one, two, three, and then four, Resurrection doesn't even look like it, it belongs in the series. It don't feel no. like it. Doesn't, it. It looks like generic summer sci-fi trash. 
Yeah. It, the first the thing, the first problem I have is the darkness of the xenomorph. Yeah. From the first three films. Now, yeah, it may look a little different in all the movies. It may not look as good in three. I agree with you on that, Andrew. But the darkness was always there. This elusive, lightning fast, lethal force that you can't stop. Yeah. Now it's just out in the open with a top hat and cane thank you, for all thank to you. see. They took all the fucking yep. darkness Hello, out of this character. And they, Hello, yeah. my darling. Hello, <laughs> my girl. Literally, they took the darkness out of that creature. They put it right in front of the camera for you to look at. And they made and literally they made it into something you could tame. Like they were that's what they were trying to do with these things. Was yeah. Really, was train them. Right? Which Ripley said, she's like, You can't do that. You yeah. can't tame these things. It just became kind of like satirical in that movie. It was too well lit. Um, it was there not, was it too much dark. That's, too that's, much yeah. color in parts. And when, you know, they're trying to egg the xenomorph on when they're caged and they're like looking at it in mm-hmm. the glass and he's like trying to like, come on, do something. Yeah, Brad basically. Dorf, Brad Dorf yeah, is yeah. hilarious in those he, scenes. No, though. he yeah. is. And he does a teeth thing. Those scenes aren't necessarily <laughs> bad, but they're also inherently what's wrong with the movie. Yeah. You're showing us every detail of this creature, and I don't want no, to see yeah, that, every yeah. detail. You're Remain elusive and hidden. You mm. should be elusive and hidden, and we should not see everything about you. Camouflaged what? into the environment. You don't know it's even there. One other thing about the other Alien movies is they use gore and the grotesque gross-out factor pretty judiciously. But in this, with Chris Cunningham's Alien Newborn, Chris Cunningham did the Apex to Come to Daddy video. Right. That Alien Newborn is the most disgusting thing to ever appear in any of the Alien movies. It, it looks it looks gross. It is gross. The way it dies is gross My without really being frightening. But the, but the thing about <laughs> that made that very conflicted also is that, you know, Ripley, that's how they played it out is Ripley was its mother. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. had that, that puppy dog like characteristic where it's this absolutely menacing creature that literally killed the thing that birthed it. Mm-hmm. Right. With not even thinking about it, just knocked the not knocked the, the queen apart, literally. Um, but then turns around, looks at Ripley, and is like, mm-hmm. like, you know, a love yeah. is there. And you mm-hmm. see that in the film, too, where when they do kill it, Ripley's yeah. upset, too. It's it, it, Okay, it's all bullshit. It's fucking stupid. I agree. But I'm just trying, I'm trying to make, it, make, it, make something yeah, out of this. Yeah, they just... Uh, I also alien... thought Winona Ryder was annoying in that film, just kind of a whiny little Extremely brat. annoying. And I she like her as an actress. I, I didn't have... I don't have any problem with her in that movie, but I have a problem with most other things in that movie. So mm-hmm. some of the I mean, worst one-liners I've ever seen in any movies. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're not even funny. They're corny. They're trite. Yeah, and just Ugh. to just to review here, I mean, we were talking about like what makes aliens so great, like great group dynamic, but every character is really good, and yeah. they all have really good dialogue. And then we just said, so okay, Alien Three. Yeah, the group dynamic works, but you can't remember any individual character because yeah, yeah. they only work as a group. And then this it. one, oh, the dialogue's bad and the one-liners suck. But and so, but some of the characters <clears throat> are rather colorful. They're they're like I I always forget the guy's name, the captain of the Betty. Um, what's the actor's name? Captain of the Betty, Dan Hedaya. He's got yeah, that Dan really. Gr- he's got that great voice. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, drink. Constantly, I fucking love that shit. I can watch that part over and over again. Right, that guy's great. Of course, he gets knocked off early in the film, but I love I love his acting, and I like I just like you know look at that. Just seeing a woman sitting in a 
pilot seat light. You know, all them great lines he did were fun. So he stuck out, right? And, like, Ron Perlman is never not fun. No, Ron He's always awesome. He's fantastic. Yeah. He, I mean, if there's anybody that really had a strong performance in that movie, it is Ron Perlman. There's some yeah. awkward, I don't know if it was intentional or not, awkward, unintentional comedy in Alien Resurrection when uh, Dan Hedaya gets bitten in the back of the head. He, like, reaches and picks at a piece of brain and yeah, he's looking at it with cross-eyed. And, it's like out, like, out of bad taste. Literally yeah. out of Peter Jackson's bad taste. Well, yeah. and there's just some lines, like I was saying, some of the... There's just some one-liners, like, you know, like, Ripley turns around and looks at the group and says, all right, who do I got to fuck to get off this ship? Yeah, it's that like, is yeah, not that's something not, that's that not, Ripley would that's say. That's not something that you would, that she, exactly, that's not something that she would say. And then Ron Perlman comes back with, well, I can get you off, maybe, maybe not off the ship, but I can get you off. Some line, I'm like, that is the dumbest shit. That is what, yeah. And children talk like And that. again, this is written by somebody whose trademark thing is really funny, witty, clever dialogue. So what yeah. the fuck is going on in that script? And it it, it doesn't makes me have angry. witty, no. clever di- Like, that is not a Joss Whedon... Sc- I mean, it almost, like, it really... That must have been really heavily rewritten. Remember when... Remember when they're training Ripley to speak after cloning her? And she's looking at a fork and says, fork, fork. And she replies, fuck. Yeah, where did like, that come from? Oh, man. You know, this was... Just, it's painful. You know, and it's so bad. And I know I always bring my kids up, you know, and there's a reason for that. Because they're watching this stuff with fresh eyes. Yeah. And, like, last year um, over Christmas, we watched... Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection all in one night. We Man. just sat down and watched all what of them. Party. And after we were done, I was like, which one was your favorite? And they both said Aliens. And I'm like, well, why? And they said, well, because we liked the guns and, you know, yeah, all the action. action. And, the, you know, and we liked the characters. They were pretty funny, blah, 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 yeah, blah. Yeah. And then I was like, what was the worst one? And they were both like, that last one. That was <laughs> awful. Yeah. It don't, it don't, there's so much... And I mean, I, re- I have a, I'm really hard to get angry at any. Well, there's some real garbage I've seen that's like really bad. But I mean, a decent <laughs> film with a decent story that, that moves along and tells a story. I, I generally, I'm not going to be too hard on it, right? But there's, so, there's just so many thorns that stick out of the Alien Resurrection that make it so hard to not just wince at. Yeah, as you're viewing it, you think the basketball scene was a bad attempt at the scene with Bishop and the knife from Aliens? Yes, yes. Although yes. the fun story about that scene is that she actually made that shot just by total happenstance. I saw and that it, in the outtakes, and it cuts really abruptly because after she makes it, Ron Perlman just breaks character and just goes like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. So. Well, I remember, you know, me and my dad, like I said, he took me to see Aliens in the theater. Then we saw Alien 3 together in the theater. And then Alien Resurrection was coming out. So we actually went and saw it as a family. Like mm-hmm. me and Alicia and my mom and dad all God, went to the theater to see it. Like crap, that's and, awkward. Yeah, and I remember, like, we all walked out of there like, that was an Alien movie? It's <laughs> like a really well-lit comic book. Yeah, And it was not written well. And I remember my mom even being like, my mom doesn't like horror or alien movies in general, but she was even like, that was terrible. Like the other movies were good. This was not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and with Winona Ryder's character, I mean, what the fuck? 
that's really got me annoyed too with her <laughs> character because she did annoy the shit out of me in that movie. The whole thing about her being a droid, and there's a whole there's a whole interplay with her and Ripley sitting there talking like you know, well yeah I'm a droid and you know they, she explains what they are and what why she was there and she's like but I'm just a droid I'm just disgusting. So you're supposed to feel sorry for this piece of plastic basically. Right. And I could not I just I'm not feeling bad for you you're 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 a robot okay whatever reasons you're here they're noble but i just couldn't get into that what they were trying to do with her mm -hmm. but almost it changes just wasn't the enough there for it to work well it kind of yeah. changes the context of what bishop was in the other movies because he was kind of heroic bishop was mm -hmm. awesome. and stoic and he was because he started out at the beginning of aliens where it's like fuck you stay away from me yeah. There's an ash, right? Yeah. Right. And by the end, you see that. She's like, you know, Bishop's sitting there, and she looks at him and says, hey, Bishop. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you did good. Oh, really? That's great. Unfortunately, that gets ruined really quick. Yeah. But mm -hmm. that nice, beautiful thing. Yeah. So she's starting to trust them, you know, trust again. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess, yeah, there is that thing where it is a, it is a callback to Bishop. Like, you know, this, these, these machines are noble. They're trying to help. Well, right, the other right. thing they were trying to do is they were trying to mix that daughter element back into it again, but mix it with the android at the same time. Mm -hmm. yeah. You're right. Mix it's... the newt and the bishop into one. And yeah. it Ooh, didn't how, work. How beautiful. It didn't make any sense. My beautiful, and... beautiful baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I wonder if... Fuck all yeah, that, that shit. Oh, I, I wonder if that was like... You know, like, if that was just, like, at the studio, they were just, like, focus grouping it. Like, well, people liked the mother-daughter relationship and oh, liked sure. the aunt. So, like, what if we make this formula? And, like, that's um, I, I, I tried to go back and watch that movie objectively. Like, I saw it when it came out. And then after, you know, I really got into Joss Whedon's other stuff and really got into City of Lost Children. Like, Fantastic okay, I'm going to go movie. back and watch this because, like, I really like the people who made it. Maybe I was being unfair to it at the time. I'll just try to give it an objective watch. And, like, I really tried to meet it halfway and be charitable to yeah. it. And, God, it... It don't really work. made me angry. Yeah, I got angry I at it too. I just watched them all again. Like we were, you talked mm -hmm. about doing, it. I did the same thing with that with that Blu-ray set, and I watched them all yeah. in sequence. And I got to that one, and I'm like, this is. Is I yeah. I try to do that every time I watch it. <laughs> for some reason, I still go back to that movie. Like, okay, I'm a, I gotta find something good about it, right? There's a documentary in that set by Mark Kermode, the BBC film critic, where he talks about all four movies, and he seems at the end of it to place blame on Sigourney Weaver for those last two movies, particularly the fourth one turning out the way they did because of how much clout she she's attained by this point. And that, from what I understand, she's kind of a high-maintenance actress. Makes oh, a lot really? of demands. Like, uh, made she made a ton of demands on Alien 3, like wanting to kill off Ripley. That was her idea. Uh, going bald, she says, well, I have to get more money. And requesting a $10,000 bald cap for the reshoots on Alien 3 after they had already fired Fincher. So she was already a pretty pretty big pain in the ass before Resurrection even came along. So I'm wondering how much she had to do with those two films' failures. Well, that hmm. with Alien Covenant coming out, and I mean, we don't want to... I know that she's had a lot, she has a lot of input on this film, too, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure. I've heard that she's got a lot... She's had a, a lot really? of input on Alien Covenant, yeah. Huh. I, I could be wrong. That. Uh, I, it's just stuff I've read in passing back yeah. and forth. 
that makes me a little fucking nervous. Well, but I don't know. Like, there's so it makes much. Me nervous. There's so much just like at the scripting level that I mean, there must have been like. Yeah, well, you're talking about resurrection still. I'm three, three and resurrection. Yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. that, like, mm-hmm. I mean just like the notorious, the studio meddling, the awful idea of things like setting a release date when you literally have no script at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that's just like. I mean, it's how you create. And they kept changing yeah. hands. They couldn't settle on one director. Like, you know, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Just pick one and run with it and hope it works. Yeah. You're going to get a better result than constantly changing up yeah. until the very last minute. There, There's a lot. There's more, I guess you could say, that's shitty about Resurrection than there is good. There oh, yeah. are a few shining moments, I think. Um, it's watchable. Fucking Brad Dorff, dude. I, I and I love that guy so much. <laughs> yeah. I, but he fucking shouldn't just ran to the hills when. Well, there was just. Hey, how do you know until you're done, right? Um, I think he knew it was shit though, and he was having fun with it. Maybe yeah. he was. Maybe he was because the characters, those characters, like the doctors, they're all goofballs. They look ridiculous. Yeah. They yeah. act ridiculous. But those ending sequences in the hive. Yeah. Why the fuck are you reciting poetry here in the middle of the goddamn <laughs> hive? You're, you're you're bound up with resin, that resin shit they, they secrete. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'm going to be thinking about doing is reciting poetry. Yeah, and there's that other part where he just, like, drops a mountain of exposition. Like, yeah. no, wh- why would you be saying this stuff out loud to no one? Like, why are you explaining, like, yeah, what's yeah. even... I'd be, I'd be like, get me the fuck... Get me out! I want <laughs> That's all I would care about, not reciting poetry. Yeah, and, you know, it's like we talked about how David Fincher hates three. There's, uh... <clears throat> In the one of the later seasons of Angel, Joss Whedon's show, there's this scene where the characters are talking about the Alien movies, and they start <laughs> talking about how, like, oh, I love the first two, and the third one was okay, but man, that fourth one was awful. Yeah, and like, and he wrote this dialogue scene basically about how much he hates Alien Resurrection. Like, man, you're like, you literally just wrote this whole scene that serves no other purpose except just to really, really hate on this movie that yeah. was made from a script yeah. you wrote. Yeah, I mean, and I, I mean, I'm fighting for it myself. I, I still do. I try, but we got to be honest with ourselves. I think we've really been honest about yeah. this so far. It's just not a good movie. Yeah. Although what's what's worse were the Alien versus Predator movies, so at least there's let's that. touch on them. Let's touch, touch on them. Well, the first one's from uh, the guy who did Mortal Kombat, and the second one, Alien versus Predator Requiem, is horrible. Movie. Directed bad. by the guy who was inside the suit for the aliens. So obviously, if you're in an alien suit, yeah. that means you know how to direct an alien film. And they said it on Earth too, and like the main character is this pizza delivery kid. It's so fucking. There's nothing really. There's just nothing big about it. There's just there's nothing grandiose. It's cheap. There's nothing powerful about that. It was just kids. Well, dude, like even the first Alien vs Predator movie, the way they set it up, they almost like they changed the entire history of. Zero the aliens one. with yeah. them being on Earth, battling with the predators, blah yeah. blah blah blah, and it's like well, they're a game. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It, I mean, exactly. Like, no, they're, they're from video games. No, like, that's it. Just well, no. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So to to be fair, the ending to Alien vs Predator the movie is relatively close to the graphic novel, the Dark Horse graphic novel, where mm-hmm. the predator teams up with a human and burns the little yeah. insignia on her forehead. That was 
true to the source. The rest of it, though, like. where he's vertical suplexing an alien, it was yeah. that was Paul W. S. Anderson Mortal Kombat bullshit. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> but that's I mean, like my my introduction to Alien versus Predator. I don't know offhand what came first between that and the comics, but the the Super Nintendo game. Yeah, and like I remember, like there was that. There was a series. I, the of comics came. The comics really came cool. before all of it. Okay, the there was the Atari Jaguar it. game. Yeah, which was yeah. the first person shooter game where you can play as the alien, the predator, or the marine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, like with all that, I mean, in, in a way, it's kind of, I mean, not appropriate, but you know, like quote unquote appropriate that it feels like a video game movie and is directed by Mister Video Game Movie. Mm. But I mean, oh, regardless sorry. of the rewrites and whatnot. Alien versus Predator, it did. It was fun. It had it had a it had depth to it. It was yeah. yeah it's not the greatest film. I agree, but it 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 had some interesting ideas. Yeah. I thought, and I really like that they got Lance Henriksen back, yeah, and that he's you know he's he's Bishop Whalen. Yeah, like oh great. he's the guy who started this company, and then oh yeah, yeah in the future they'll make this android that's designed yeah, after it, you know nice the creator tie-in. of yeah. So it's, they at least tried to find a way to tie it into the canon. Requiem. Yeah. Just was bullshit. That's another one. It, I felt like Requiem was just. I, mean, like, I like um, it less than I like Alien Resurrection. Oh yeah, no yeah, Requiem is it's terrible. That's it's the worst one. Just like uh, it's like a just a standard like horror movie. It feels Here's, like the you only know? redeeming quality of that film is that the kid, the pizza delivery boy, his love interest gets fucking murdered. Like by one of the predators throws one of those crawl things, you know, yeah, yeah. and just sticks her ass into the wall with it. And I can't lie, we saw that movie in the theater on New Year's Eve when it came out, and I literally was like, "Yeah!" I mean, because that's the only thing about that movie that I actually liked it, it, is that you know everybody died. Doesn't like an alien spoiler that looks like a predator break into a hospital oh, and start killing a bunch of people? I'm losing my te- I'm losing my composure here. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. Oh, I think there was like a mouth. I think there was a alien that had the predator teeth the four pincers because it was born out of it was, it was it was a hybrid yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's in a hospital and like was it a nursing ward and it's mm. killing everyone right and left like what, 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 what? why oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right, and you're right, Chris. I'm spoiling the shit out of this. I apologize, but whatever. I, it, it, just don't watch the movie. Don't watch it. Don't waste your time. We're we're doing you a favor right now. So let's spend five or six minutes on Prometheus before we wrap yeah. this up. What time? How long have we been going here? We've been going for an hour and a half. Well, these these movies. These I movies mean, rule. except for these last few that we were talking about, these movies deserve it. Yeah, <laughs> they even do. the bad ones. There's a lot to say about oh, yeah. them. Yeah, it's still fun to shit all over yeah. them. I guess. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, fine. All right, Prometheus. I uh, love I love, love the visual elements of Prometheus. However, the story is really, really messy. I wish they had just spent more time tweaking that script, yeah. making the characters a little bit more realistic and having their intentions laid out a little bit better because I think it all gets confused in the movie, and a lot of the characters do really stupid things. Yeah, yeah. Really stupid things. They should have just... Another rewrite and a little bit of work, it could have been awesome, but they fucked it up. There was a strange identity crisis about that movie, too. Is it Alien? Is it not? Is it the side thing? Is it tied directly into Alien, and the whole movie keeps toying with you well, in that way, and it, the, the it just thing got is frustrating also, after a while. The thing I, I followed this pretty close when the announcement happened that we're that you know there's going to be literally it came out as and Ridley Scott spun it that way like this is a prequel to Alien, 
That's what was said like on the message boards. Yeah. And all the, this is a prequel to Alien. And mm-hmm. it went like that for a while. And then over time, we noticed that he stopped saying it like this is a prequel to Alien. And he started spinning it as in Prometheus is going, when they announced the actual name of the film, Prometheus, mm-hmm. is it's going to have the same, it's going to share the DNA yeah. Which is, was a play yeah. on words for the film itself, yep. yeah. but it's going to share the DNA of Alien. So what mm-hmm. I think happened is there were some changes that had to be made. They had to retool things, and it wasn't going to necessarily be a true prequel. Yeah. Like, it's going to lead right into that. Yeah, right? well, from what I understand, I know from like some interviews that I saw with Damon Lindelof when it came out, mm-hmm. was that... Yeah, it originally, the script was a lot more similar, but the script was, like, too similar, and it felt a little too much like... The Force Awakens. Alien again. <laughs> uh, but, now, okay, I I really like Prometheus. I mean, yes, there are things about the script that are messy. It could have yeah. used a few more drafts, but all in all, I really like that movie. I'd say it is, it's def- it's my third favorite movie in that series. But something that I like about it kind of counter to what you guys just said, Andrew and Scott, uh, I like that it's really its own thing. Because, I mean, yeah, yeah, like Alien, like it's as different from Alien and Aliens as those two are from each other. And it goes back to, like, you know, what if they'd all been like Alien and Aliens where each movie occupied a totally different genre space? Yeah. And I... And I, I really like that sort of, like, high concept, like, a lot of philosophical theme, sci-fi Very big movie. ideas. Yeah, very big ideas. Like, I almost, I put Prometheus in sort of a similar area as, like, say, Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's, it definitely suffers a little bit in the character department and in the, some of the narrative logic is shaky, but the ideas are so good, and I really like the philosophical themes and just like the whole idea that, you know, it is about like these scientists venturing into philosophy territory and like they're looking for the answer to the meaning of life. And that's one thing, a big pet peeve I have is when people are like, but they don't answer it at the end. Like it's about trying to, it's about searching for like the the meaning of life. You don't find that unless you're Monty Python's the meaning of life. You're not going (laughs) to spell out what the meaning of life is. One thing. Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting (laughs) to mention was its similarities to sunshine. Cause I actually thought sunshine was closer to 1979 Ridley Scott than Prometheus Ridley Scott. His his style has changed dramatically. And there's a lot of direct motifs nodding to alien like all the characters sitting around the dinner table at the beginning yeah. of the yeah. movie yeah. the dipping birds the empty hallways the uh the countdown at the end of the movie uh-huh there there's hmm. and there is some interplay with these characters i mm. thought there were some holes like the whole like vickers uh wayland uh father you know daughter father thing yeah that's that had no real effect on the story at all. The plot, it, it, yeah. it, it mm-hmm. just was stuck there, for whatever reason. And it, you know, it, and even the delivery, Cleese there, Sharice Therian didn't even deliver that well. I thought, you know, yeah, I, Father, oh Jesus, Christ, go away. Well, I thought the, the best thing about that movie was Michael Fassbender as the droid, outstanding. Oh, yeah. And well, Idris Michael Elba, come on, give it up. Always- I yeah. love Idris Elba because we talked about that last week. He's a total man crush, so I, you can't—he can't do any wrong for me. Uh, playing a captain, he was fantastic. Two I like the that car- he's modeling himself after Lawrence of Arabia, but go ahead. No, 
the two of the characters that I really thought were very cool that had a very little bit of screen time were the actual two pilots on the on Prometheus. The the it was the Asian gentleman and then like the more English guy that you see them in a couple of scenes in the film, but they really shine. They were the guys who had the bet on what they what they didn't know what, they didn't even know what the mission was oh, they yeah. were on, and they were the ones sitting there in the meeting room saying. Um, so what do you think this is? I'll give you like 50, I'll bet 50 credits. And the ones like, well, I'll bet a lap dance with Vickers or some some joke. It was those two guys. They don't get a lot of screen time, but at the very end, I thought was very cool was when they decided they had to, they had to destroy the, the ship, right? They're like, you know, well, I guess you're going to lose the bet. And that, it called back to what they talked about. Mm. There was a, I thought there was a great, in the little bit of time they had on screen, to me at least I got, there was a real good bond between those guys. Yeah. Like they were dear friends, and they knew they were going to die, and they still had a sense of humor about it. Like, we're going to die, and, well, yeah, I'll see you on the, you know, you can pay me on the other side or whatever. That, yeah. The lines. They, I love that. Just that little bit there, like those little bit of peppers and whatnot. I think that was really cool. Andrew, you were going to Yeah, Lawrence of Arabia, Fastbender. Yeah. Oh, just that um, I like that the, he models himself after, after was it T.H. Lawrence? Or T. E. Lawrence, I can't recall. T. E. Lawrence, and he's reciting the lines about how yeah. he lit his he lit the match in his hand and not minding that it hurts. I enjoyed that, but there's there's there we've said that there's some holes in the film, but in general, I mean, it looked great. That's I, the thing you see it in 3D. It was just absolutely spectacular to look well, at. It was beautiful. That's, that's one other thing too that I wasn't too fond of as far as old Ridley Scott versus new. His visual style has changed quite a bit. His editing style has changed quite a bit. Um, gone are the ultra-wide angle shots that capture every bit of minutiae in the set detail. Now it's a lot of CG-heavy, quick edits, and... I don't know. It's not the same. It's not the same man that made Alien over thirty years ago. Well, yeah. you changed though. Come on, give the guy a break, Andrew. Yeah, no, I, I do, I do hear <laughs> you. That, yeah. yeah, I mean, Prometheus in particular. I, I really did like its style a lot, yeah. but it definitely didn't have quite as striking or as unique a style. But then, I mean, I thought, I thought. Uh, the Martian had much more of what you think of as a Ridley Scott film. I thought that was a more successful film comparatively to Prometheus, visually and contextually. I thought that was just a better movie. Period. It's a it's a fantastic movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, yeah, The Martian was a better film than Prometheus. I still I'll, I'll stand up for Prometheus though. That's my underdog it, alien movie. I think yeah. it's fantastic, Chris. I guess Chris wants to throw. Yeah, us out we got to wrap this up, guys. Up. We're at an well, hour we could, and forty well, minutes already. We can go back and talk about it again. Yeah, we'll come back fun. to this Let's again. again. Ah. All right, guys. This is Chris with TheMovieSleuth.com. <laughs> Sorry we talked your ears off this week, but hopefully you enjoy it. Uh, find us at www.TheMovieSleuth.com. Questions, comments, or concerns, email us at Chris at SpoilerFreeMovieSleuth.com. See you guys next week. Mother. Game over, man! Bye. Game over! Mother, you bitch! Visit us at www.TheMovieSleuth.com and find The Movie Sleuth on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and iTunes.